necessarily from a safety aspect. I think there's the outer limits sound logical. If someone's in full flexion and mm. wanting to deadlift like that all the time, mm. I mean, there's probably a place for like saying, hey, try to maybe get back to some sort of standard deviation yeah. to the norm, but I don't know. Here we are back on the, I don't even, what do you call it? I don't even know what to call it. It's the Future Health Network within the Sports Medicine Project. Okay. It's a double negative, but then also the Sports Medicine Project is within the Future Health Network for okay. this episode. <laughs> within Hunter Sports okay. Stadium yeah. Conference Centre. Okay. Within Newcastle. All within right. the Zoom hypersphere. Yeah. Oh, no. Dave, you're, I don't know how strong your connection is, man. Or right. is it ours? No, nah, mine's, mine's good. Welcome yeah, back, so... sports fans. We're here again. Do you want to interrupt me again or what? <laughs> 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 no, it is It is always my connection, definitely. Well, I might just turn my video off in case, in case that's adding oh. to the problem. Yeah, bugger. I like to see your face because I can read your emotions and I like it. It gets me engaged. All right, I'll turn yeah, it on. And leave it on. on. And the people want to you see your face. connection. Mm. All right. right. Except it's a podcast, but whatever. <laughs> so what, what are we talking about fans? today? Fuck. Do you want to interrupt <laughs> me? <laughs> Seriously. Pausing. No, go. you go, you go, you go. It's all yours. Take the ropes. Fuck me. <laughs> Welcome back, sports fans, to the babushka doll of the podcast <laughs> world. This is uh, the Sports Medicine Project within the Future Health Network within the Sports Medicine Project again. <laughs> My name is Dave Renfrew. I am the best looking of the people that you will hear from currently. <laughs> we also have Blake Withers and Justin Smith, two people who wish they were physiotherapists, but unfortunately ended up being podiatrists. <laughs> Today, we are going to talk about Blake's favorite wormhole uh, topic, which mm. is neutral spine and flexing spine and lifting mm. and whether it matters and how do we know and what do we do about it, given that it, it is a thing, people think it's a thing, uh, health professionals think it's a thing, how much of a thing and what do you tell people, given how confused health professionals are about it? We'll go with you, Blake. What do you think uh, about the whole hoo-ha Mm, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a hot topic at the moment. And if you're anyone with Instagram, you probably follow Adam Eakins and you saw that recent video with him and James Smith PT. And I actually, I don't know James, but I've followed him for a while. And he typically puts up pretty good content, but it kind of sparked the debate when he put up a, a video saying that, you know, people should be careful of flexing their spine when doing a deadlift because it's very likely to lead to injury. So I definitely don't think that that statement holds any merit. However, and I know we're going to discuss today, I do think that it may add some benefit to people coaching patients or clinicians or athletes um, just to try to get them to think about their body positioning. So I, I think it does have some merit. It's just trying to figure out how much it, it really does. Well, Justin, you've had uh, plenty of experience as, as a weightlifter and a weightlifting coach. Uh, where do you feel that this fits in regard to health versus fitness? Yeah, it's a blurred line, isn't it? And often people talk about it when they're talking to an, you know, an asymptomatic um, 
population from athletic terms, from mm. performance terms. So I coached and trained CrossFit for a bunch of years, um, and Olympic lifting coaching. And yeah, for sure. And I also do jujitsu where there's a lot of postural things where being in certain positions with a nice strong spine is more advantageous from a lever arm perspective from performance reasons. Um, and that holds some merit, um, you know, trying to do a one RM snatch with better posture, trying to pull that heavy weight off the ground. It makes sense from that standpoint. For so performance, from though. performance standpoint, yeah. you know, so, you know, there's a bunch of literature and bits and pieces that I'm sure we'll dive into that I'm not that across because I play around with feet more so than the, <laughs> the, the latest evidence with, with, um, you know, back stuff, but mm. I think that we see that blurred a lot. And then also what you said about the people that have, you know, there's a lot of anecdotes and stories that patients hold for themselves that, you know, isn't really founded in very make much sense. And it's slippery when it flows into that feeling of fragility where they're fragile, you know, mm. but if they don't lift a certain way, um, it's, yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? I mean, out of us three here, you would be coaching the most people doing deadlifts, but you've probably got the smallest deadlift of us three. <laughs> nice, well played. <laughs> uh, well, it's this. This is with lots of things that uh, I, I'm not. I'm never certain that anyone. Uh, I'm not saying that they're wrong to say that. My my question just comes back to how do you know to be able to say things with such certainty? You need you need to have something to base it on. And this is a debate where with every aspect of it, when you look at how do you know, the answer is we don't. So straight lines make sense that they're easier from a physics perspective. So a deadlift with a straight back as a physics equation makes makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, a spine, while you can try and keep it in a straight line, there is evidence that any time you hinge or squat, you bend your back. So there's always flexion. So the question is how much flexion? Mm. Then the question is how can a person assess how much flexion? And then given that much flexion, how much force is going through that spine? And where is the point in that spine where that's a problem? And then, and you can see how we get into these just really tricky areas mm -hmm. of knowing, like how can you be certain in an area like that? The other, the other example that I draw people's attention to is strongman lifting. So when they're trying to get an atlas stone off the ground, their back is as bent as I've ever seen a back in my life. <laughs> yeah. So they're a, they're a dependent, it's task dependence. And that's the point of a spine. It's, a, it's adaptable to different tasks. So if, the way I always think of it is, is you should be able to have lots of different strategies to do lots of different things. And it's if you can't not bend your back, so I always think if someone goes to pick something up and they can't ever keep it straight, then they're missing out on a way of tackling a task. So I think that's important. Like if they go to, if they can bend their back and they can squat, but when they hinge, it looks like when they bend their back, I'm like, well, that's not a hinge. A hinge is trying to keep it more straight, but largely because of movement variability rather than safety. So I think the like many of these things, the, the point of it is missed in that we can't really be sure. So how about we just try and make people good at lots of different things? Mm. I think like you said, Justin, the health and fitness or the safety and fitness line gets blurred 
And I think people apply performance task mm. uh, cues to normal everyday life. I'm a huge critic of manual handling. I think it's a total crock of shit. Um, and that's where it's it's sort of moved merged into safety. And then the other the other point is that whoever's having a, a say in this debate will always bring their own, what they do for a living. So you know, if, if that, that personal trainer fella, if he has made a living on telling people that they have to deadlift a certain way, he's mm. not going to be very happy to say it. Probably doesn't matter. So mm. so I'm always interested in how people's bills get paid and how that influences their opinion as well. Mm, yeah. And finishing, like he finishes <clears throat> that video with, you know, I've, and I quote, like I've coached thousands of athletes, which doesn't inherently make you this person that can predict people's tissue capacity and what their body's doing. I just thought I'd add, you did mention there's some research to show that we're not, we're not able to predict people's spinal movements when they move i would probably add like it's good research too and there's multiple papers and not just one study done you know in the 1920s there's multiple papers um that have come out over the last several years what would you say like and i and i would definitely tell somebody if they were completely understandable that you know when we are saying a neutral spine that their spine is not actually in neutral and it is bending and moving, but they're able to use that cue to then move out of pain. Do you think it has some use case there? Because I, I would definitely tell someone, yes, you know, your spine is not going to be at neutral, but if you use that cue and you're able to move out of pain, that's probably beneficial to then get you moving for the longer term. What would you say to that, Justin? As long as the narrative was right. Yeah, I agree. Because... A lot of the time we play around with showing them safety, mm. showing them ways to move to help keep them moving. And if that comes into it, as long as it's built on a foundation of not yet making them over-reliant on it and understanding its place um, and it, using it, say, like a gateway type movement as a part mm. of their repertoire of ways to perform tasks, then that's appropriate. Um, again, Dave would probably speak to this more because for us we're doing or i'm doing that less um day to day mm. um but that's how i would think of that yeah yeah what, yeah. what would you say i about? mean that's that anything that's a temporary uh help for a person is great like that's the same with posture like if it hurts to slouch then don't slouch but that doesn't mean never slouch so this mm. is another um, problem with these types of discussions is that people want blanket rules that they can apply to humans and mm. it's it just doesn't work that way so sometimes concentrating on keeping an, an, a straight back or a neutral spine whatever you want to call it that might be super helpful but it's it's time dependent and task dependent so mm. by definition it's not a recipe for spine health it's a temporary strategy which can then be changed so uh it, it doesn't it's not a binary decision like you you can't always flex or never flex it's you should be able to put your body into the position that best meets the task that you need it to accomplish and then probably the big question is is whether you lift like this or that or the other is how much capacity do you have to do the things that you need to do so um again like lots of these things i sort of think it's the wrong thing to talk about so you're getting hung up on whether it has people will get hung up on whether it has to be a certain position but rather than talk about the other you know who else is in the boat 
like I think neutral spine is the mouse. There's mm-hmm. a there's a big cow sitting in the boat that's going to make the boat capsize that no one wants to talk about. Mm. So what would be, I mean, let's say you're coaching someone, maybe we'll use an example from a clinical case. Someone's had low back pain. They're quite fear avoidant and you're, you know, coaching them into doing some deadlifts. I mean, are you just saying, I mean, I guess it's hard to say over audio, but are you saying, you know, just move how it's comfortable or you're showing them? I mean, what cues do you generally give to them? And I guess as well, if you can speak to it, what narrative do you get them to think about? Again, that that is 100% person dependent. So Mm. I will, if someone, particularly if someone's been told that they can't lift things, I will get them to lift things to prove that that's incorrect. Mm. Uh, I will will put something in front of them and I will say, show me how you would pick that up. And then we would explore how they approach that, how we could make it different or easier or better for them, but also then explore ways that, they could do it differently or to to try and create some sort of dissonance between what they've been told about themselves and the reality of the fact that most of the time people are much stronger than than they think they are particularly when they're in pain so that even that process is very person dependent i don't have any uh external cues that i will always give someone for back pain when i'm getting them to do that if i was coaching someone to deadlift who wanted to move from a hundred might be some cues that i would tell people but they're cues that i've been told myself when i'm trying to increase my own deadlift so anything in strength and conditioning land is, is anecdotal mm-hmm. and, and it might be helpful um but but that's a different world to someone who has and who is trying to I'm trying to expose them to something that with watermelons they are completely mm. you're just breaking up a little yeah, bit yeah it did break up a little bit but that's alright missed that last little bit yeah, it was just, right. did you get silent. my cars versus watermelons thing no nah, it just went silent and then you just blurted out watermelons and then pause <laughs> but I think people will get it So, okay, hey, watermelons for everybody. Increase their athletic deadlift to someone who is trying to get back to safe, feeling safe lifting things are, mm. are two completely different scenarios as if you were comparing cars with watermelons. Watermelons, yeah. And people take cues differently. Like, you know, telling someone to keep a neutral spine, I'm sure us three, you know, we'd probably be, you know, generally pretty similar but that cue will mean something differently for someone else. So there's no way it can have this blanket statement of, yep, have a neutral spine and then everyone will do the same thing. And like you said, you, you definitely cannot predict someone's tissue yeah. capacity. To be able to say, if you flex your back, you'll be injured. You don't know the strength of the facets of their spine or the fluid or anything like that. So mm-hmm. there's no way to know that. But I, I do resonate a little bit. It makes sense logically. And when you look at someone with a flexed back, it, I don't know really why we just think it looks ugly and it does look like it would cause you an injury, but maybe we just need to have a little bit more of an understanding and go, even though it does look like that, we, it doesn't mean anything. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, all of those things are constructs, like even the words we use to describe them are things that have been created 
through socio-cultural means. So, and this, this is where I get to, like it's almost pointless having a debate about it because it, we're not even talking about, like the meaning of the word is different. Mm-hmm. So that's the level of confusion we have. So yeah. that for me, that's that's why it's a bit pointless to even be talking about it because none of us know anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I've, I saw this guy on Twitter. I think his name's Mike Boyle. Anyway, he was talking about this exact topic, and I've never seen more Nasibic language used. He was talking about the orthopedic cost of deadlifting with a flex back, mm. which is crazy. Like he's like, oh, you won't pay for it now, but in twenty years, the orthopedic cost anything. Imagine seeing that as someone going, I've never deadlift again because my spine flexes. You know, it's crazy. That guy's pretty famous. That's there's a saying that you you don't want to go full boil on in the internet. <laughs> he, he get him to ask him a question and tell him he's wrong, and you'll see what you'll see what, see what happens. So, right. well, now I've just put this on the internet, so no doubt he'll stalk me and, <laughs> he'll be and there. try and insult me online. Yeah, yeah. Well, any any final points to leave, fellas? I I did want to, and I'll say mine first because usually I'm probably going to have better points than me. <laughs> I think obviously when we're talking about injury and performance, they're generally the two categories. I would argue that for performance, there are probably smarter techniques that you can use to be able to move weight quicker and through different lever arms and, and things like that. But for injury risk and, and yeah, injury risk, there's just not much evidence to say we can predict what someone's back's doing and using that cue with the wrong narrative can have some pretty long-term effects that you may not see right then and there, but in the longer term. So probably not best to use it. Yeah. I would think the blurry bit for for us um, advising and mentoring and coaching is if we've seen them through that pain phase and we see athletic populations where they they move beyond that and their aspirational bit is back to performance. So then tr- like when and how do we get them to change their thoughts mm. and understanding what we've implemented to serve them in this phase of care and to make sure they're adapting their thoughts with it and don't order because people automatically translate those things to performance as well. And if we're talking about the, you know, the hip hinge, you know, how much flexion in the spine, just making sure they're understanding that. And I think that's the, the challenging bit mm. as well um, that I find tricky. Um, and also with, someone because we do see it you see it in the gym the people that it correlates it's not causative but anecdotally you see it the people that train the most consistently and are very you know low injury risk and this they're doing things consistently they usually move there's a there's a narrow um movement window movement window they will move pretty efficiently and i'm thinking about the crossfit people Mm. and olympic lifting people um it's associated with you know adequate movement window Mm. so there's something there's certainly something to be said for that how you know we can't say oh well it definitely doesn't cause any injury risk and it definitely does Uh, i think there's more to it than that but Mm. i don't know it's tricky complex um discussion yeah that's probably after after what you guys said i think that's the thing for me is to to recognize how little certainty we have in this area and uh, and also to to recognize that it is it is gray by definition. So you can you can move between ends of the spectrum um, with the same person at different time points based on, but it's always based on them rather than 
our own ideas. So it's person specific and task specific and their capacity specific. So it's centered in them as opposed to what we think. So mm. those and all of those external constructs that we have created are exactly that. They are thoughts and ideas around something that have a very poor knowledge base. So just recognizing that whatever you think and feel is probably based on subjective anecdotal stuff as opposed to what we actually know. Yeah, I like it. And I mean, we shouldn't be worrying about neutral spines. It's all about pronation. That's the real killer. (laughs) (laughs) All back pain comes from the feet. So you guys keep business, right? Lovely. All right. Good to talk to you, Dave and Dustin. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks, mate.